How many gay historical figures do you know? Probably not that many. Most of them live their lives in secrecy, and history books tend to ignore any rainbow flags that someone might present. But they existed. They were people just like us, writers and innovators and artists and leaders, and they don't deserve to hide any longer. We're your hosts, Mary Rogers and Eileen Yamamoto, and join us as we uncover the ghosts in the closet. They were very close friends. Gal pals. Colleagues. Best friends. Independent. Companions. Rebellious. Roommates. Um, weren't they just queer? You're listening to Ghosts in the Closet with Mary Rogers and Eileen Yamamoto. Hi everyone, I'm Eileen. And I'm Mary. And welcome to Ghosts in the Closet. Today we'll be heading back to my own roots. To the land of the free, the home of the brave, the U.S. of A. Oh, God. That's right. Unfortunately, I am American. <laughs> Though many Americans would adamantly deny it, it turns out that the White House can be gay, too. This episode will cover a few queer stories about past presidents, their administrations, and most importantly, their first ladies. As it turns out, the White House is gayer than you'd think. Of course, before we get to those stories, let's recap some recent queer news. A report published this week concluded that conversion therapy cost the U.S. roughly $9.23 billion a year. But you really can't put a price on the trauma and harm it causes. To conversion therapy providers who might be struggling with costs, we've got a brilliant solution to save you some money. Shut up and quit your job. Zoe Kravitz said that she interpreted Catwoman as bisexual in the newest Batman installment starring her and Robert Pattinson. Much like Zoe, I interpreted Tree Number 5 as lesbian in my ninth grade winter play. The Florida House passed the Don't Say Gay bill this week, which prohibits discussions of gender identity and sexual orientation in schools. Representative John Harding, who introduced the bill, said the measure is about empowering parents and helping children. But if you ask us, it sounds like it's actually about being homophobic. A lot of our recent news has revolved around very bigoted legislators using their power to turn their prejudices into law. These people would probably call themselves true patriots, protectors of freedom, whatever you name it. But history will not remember them kindly. So this episode is dedicated to those politicians who would probably throw a fit hearing about any kind of homosexual activity in the White House. So Mary, what do you know about President James Buchanan? Uh, I know that (laughs) he was a president. Yes. And that his name was James Buchanan. All right. So, so you don't know much. I'm and... Canadian. <laughs> okay, fair. And this is probably because he is widely regarded as one of the worst presidents of all time. So he was the 15th U.S. president right before Abe Lincoln and right before the Civil War broke out, which was a chaotic time in the U.S. to say the least. We want to preface this portion by acknowledging who James Buchanan really was as a politician and a person living in America in the 19th century. We absolutely don't want to act like we're celebrating him for his possible queerness while ignoring the truth about the role he played as president. James Buchanan supported states' rights, meaning he was complicit in slavery and was willing to encourage slavery to further his political agenda during his presidency. Like many presidents, he is not a figure that America should be proud of. (laughs) Again, we're not here to celebrate him or act like his queerness erases the harm that he's done. What we do want to do is bring to light his alleged homosexuality as a part of American history and discuss him through this queer lens while acknowledging the flawed person that he was. So, moving on. You're about to finally learn about our man. Okay, excited. 
James Buchanan was born in 1791. He was a lawyer, a member of the House of Representatives, a foreign minister, a senator, and a secretary of state before being elected president in 1857. His time as president was plagued by issues of slavery, states' rights, everything that would ultimately lead to the Civil War. Although he tried, he was unable to do much to stop it, and he was a relatively powerless president in that sense. He did not seek re-election, and basically did nothing when several states seceded towards the end of his presidency. He left office right before the war, unsuccessful in uniting the country. Oof. Yeah, so right after Abe Lincoln got elected, a whole bunch of states seceded, and he was president at the time, but there was really nothing he could do. Like, he just had to, yeah, he kind of just, like, sat there. It was, so he did not leave office, like, in a blaze of glory at all. That aside, his horrible presidency aside, one of the most well-known and discussed facts about him is that he remains the only president to be a lifelong bachelor. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know this. So he had no first lady, but there is evidence that he might have preferred a first man. <laughs> <laughs> so many people regard Buchanan as the first gay president, mostly because of his relationship with William Rufus King, a senator, diplomat, and vice president to James Polk, who was the 11th president. So though Buchanan had some relationships with women, none were as close or as famous as his relationship with King. So it's worth noting that King died before uh, Buchanan became president. Uh. So maybe they would have like lived together in the White House if um, we'll if he, know. yeah, we'll never know. So the two men never married and were incredibly close with one another. They lived together for 13 years from 1840 to King's death in 1853. They often attended functions together and were nicknamed the Siamese Twins because of their inseparability. Oh my goodness. Yeah, they were, like, I think the fact that they, like, went to functions together is pretty funny, like, like what did they tell people? Like, <laughs> we're oh, roomies. It's hard to afford any single apartments. <laughs> oh yes, our very incredibly powerful um, politician jobs just Oof. not paying us enough. <laughs> yeah, that is insane. 13 years they lived together. And if you thought it was weird... Turns out so did people back then, so, no um... No way! What? <laughs> it's, it is worth noting that both James Buchanan and William Rufus King were described at the time as eccentric and effeminate. Andrew Jackson even mockingly called them Miss Nancy and Aunt Fancy, <laughs> which were derogatory terms to describe effeminate men. That is so interesting. So they were so obviously gay that people were homophobic to them before being gay existed. <laughs> before, like, literally, there was no, like, you know, concept of, like, it was as a homosexuality at this time, really. Right. Well, I mean, there kind of was, but, like, you know, it was very much, like, people like Andrew Jackson were calling them out, like, before the terms even existed. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting because I feel like in some of the other stories we've talked about, people sort of just tried to pretend this wasn't a thing mm -hmm. or like they ignored the signs or whatever but they're straight up just like <laughs> acknowledging that there's something going on there's also it's funny that it's andrew jackson yeah. <laughs> like he was also first confirmed homophobic president it's the fact that like this wasn't on the low like people were definitely suspicious about mm -hmm. it and then he was still like elected is yeah. kind of interesting yeah i guess there really was a time when personal life didn't matter in the slightest hmm. it's just if you were a rich white yeah <laughs> especially if you, even if i mean it's crazy though because like no one could get elected these days without their personal life being called into like yeah. questioning. I just think it's funny that Andrew Jackson was basically being like you're gay. Like <laughs> it is timeless. Miss Nancy and Aunt Fitz. <laughs> we should bring it back. Me. <laughs> Gonna start calling you and Alex that. <laughs> Miss Nancy and Aunt so, um, while disparaging them, a political rival even described King as Buchanan's quote better half. Oh, 
Like, that's straight out of, like, a, a cheesy rom-com. Are you kidding? It's, it's so funny. And, like, again, all of this was used as, like, political ammo against them, yeah. too. So, But it didn't seem like they were trying to hide it. Like, they lived together for 13 years. They attended functions together. They could have, like, yeah. not lived together, I'm sure. Yeah, that's, like, that's very surprising to me. Yeah. So, at one point, when King went overseas, Buchanan wrote this in a letter to a friend. I am <laughs> so funny, I can't. Okay. <laughs> I am now solitary and alone, having no companion in the house with me. I have gone a wooing to several gentlemen, but have not succeeded with any one of them. I feel that it is not good for man to be alone, and should not be astonished to find myself married to some old maid who can nurse me when I am sick, provide good dinners for me when I am well, and not expect from me any very ardent or romantic affection. Oh my god. That I, is... Like, this is not like a... We're not, oh, like, it's like, not maybe speculation. He was, maybe he wasn't, like, this is just, like, proof. He was like, hey, yo, yeah. I'm miss the touch of a man so yeah the only like evidence that people had against was like maybe he just meant like he was looking for a roommate but you don't go <laughs> a wooing a roommate like and he sort of was like i want a woman to live with me and do these things but please god <laughs> let us not have sex like, yeah please. he was like i am not attracted and especially because like the part about wooing several gentlemen i don't know how like putting it in context he talked about wooing gentlemen then he talks about finding a wife like it's not you know, it's not two separate things. Like, he's literally yeah. talking about love and romantic affection. It's just, it's confirmed. Oh, like, com come on. Completely. If this is a, like, I'd love to hear how somebody would, like, deny this mm -hmm. or retort this. I do think it's kind of funny, though. Like, <laughs> he's like, oh, my man's, my man's is gone. I, I just want to find some old lady who will, like, take care of me and cook me dinner. <laughs> like, damn. He needed to find, like, a lesbian. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Mutual beards. <laughs> So this is, as we discussed, probably the most damning piece of evidence towards his sexual fluidity, and there might have been more. However, most of the letters have been destroyed, and both Buchanan and King ordered that their personal papers be burned after their death. Wow. I think that's a very metal thing to do. Like, yeah, after true. I die, you don't I get to know to about me. <laughs> delete the pictures. Like I don't <laughs> delete my search history. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I think, and I think that was probably pretty common uh, at the time. Although, again, they weren't really hiding it. Not very well, at least. We'll probably never know for sure what the true nature of their relationship was, but we can pretty confidently say that these two might hold the title as America's first gay president and vice president. It's too bad that they weren't in the same administration because it would have been a very cool queer rom-com <laughs> Could you imagine if Buchanan was president and he was vice president? Like, oh my gosh, there should just be like a workplace sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this man was, was a president of the United States. Not a very good one, but he was a president of the United States and he was definitely in love with another man. Yeah, it's unfortunate that he's considered like one of the worst ones. <laughs> not a good look for gay people. No, not a good track record. But I do, I think the story is lovely. Like, yeah. it's too bad that King died before he was president. Because um, I wonder if they would have lived together in the White House and yeah. that would have been like a point of, of history. Completely. I'm sure he would have appointed him some crazy high-up cabinet post or, you know, yeah. Supreme Court justice or something like that. Totally. So, so that's James Buchanan, first gay president. I, yeah, I really did not expect it to be so obvious Me and, like, either. blatant yeah. in history. I thought it was just, like, speculated, but this kind of... Especially at a time when, like, not getting married was very, like, immense. Uh, unusual. Yes, yeah, so yeah. unusual. True. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, believe it or not, there's actually a bit of a trend of first ladies having homoerotic <laughs> correspondence. One of the more well-known ones is Eleanor Roosevelt, but there's actually another first lady who is explicitly queer, and her name was Rose Cleveland. Yes! 
Technically, Rose wasn't exactly the first lady in the way that we would understand it. When Grover Cleveland, the 22nd president of the US was inaugurated, he actually wasn't married. So he had his sister Rose fill the role of first lady. Yeah, I actually did not know this. I think that's really interesting because that kind of thing would not happen these days. Yeah. It kind of shows like that first lady was maybe an even more, not important, but you know, the, the, a position that had duties. Like he couldn't just not have a first lady. Like she had imp such important duties that yeah. he had to like get someone to fill the role because he wasn't married. Well, I think to this day, yeah, like the role of first lady is a lot more significant than it's like given credit for or yeah. like recognized. But I don't think these days, I mean, we, I don't think we could ever elect a bachelor president. Like people would scrutinize it too much. Yeah. Oh, very, um, very true. But I do love the idea of having his sister fill in. I think that's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, why not? Like, good for her too. <laughs> so although she didn't fit into high society and preferred intellectual pursuits, Rose agreed to perform the duties of a first lady to help out her brother. She was like, oh, I guess brother, like, I guess Grover, <laughs> fine, I'll be the first lady. Yeah, I'll do you this favor. <laughs> but yeah, apparently she was like very much not really like into that stuff. Yeah. Which like good on her for agreeing Yeah, those to are kind of big boots to fill. Like, <laughs> for real. Good for her. Um, and so yeah, she eventually left the role when her brother married. Yeah, during his presidency, which I don't know how you'd have time to like date during your presidency. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Like, damn. He was out here selling bills and finding money. <laughs> so in 1889, after her time as first lady, Rose met a widow named Evangeline Simpson, and they began a passionate love affair. Passionate love affair. Indeed. Their correspondence during this time were pretty explicit for the time period. In one letter, Rose writes, my Eve, ah, oh, how I love you. It paralyzes me. Oh, Eve, Eve. <laughs> 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 oh, that's too good. Oh, Eve, surely you cannot realize what you are to me, what you must be. Yes, I dare it. <laughs> now, I will no longer fear to claim you. Mm -hmm. You are mine by every sign in earth and heaven, by every sign in soul and spirit and body. And you cannot escape me. You must bear me all the way. Wonderful reading. <laughs> Wonderful. Just, uh, that is like almost too much. Like, damn. Oh, insane. I think this might be like one of the like juiciest, like vomit worthy yeah, quotes we've ever. It's not. It's not like. Oh, I love you. I miss you. It's like I need you carnally. I yeah. Am she really so obsessed with you. Yeah. Earth and heaven, sign and soul and spirit and body. Bro. Oh, she loved her, bro. <laughs> she really did. The repetition's working for me too. She has I know, she's she's like writer. six times. <laughs> e -b 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 so yeah. In another letter, she writes, I shall go to bed, Eve, with your letters under my pillow. Wait, that's so that's sweet. That's really cute. And oh. uh, we should, I think letter writing should be more common. I love Yeah, writing. I agree. I love the, like, the little wax stamp things, oh, I want too. One. Wait, what would you, like, have on the, on your wax stamp? Like, what would my stamp yeah. be? Yeah. Mine would be an onion. <laughs> <laughs> because you smell bad. <laughs> what? Uh, I just think it's a cute vegetable. Mine would be a duck, because ducks are oh, pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm Actually, mine would be like the Japanese letters of my name, because I'm like cooler with it. Okay. Do you know my family has a crest? Fun fact. I did not know My this. dad once drew it for me. I don't really know Wait, that's really like. cool. I'll, I'll text him and ask for a picture or something. Okay. A crest <laughs> and also an onion. Anyway. Looking this. So the two women often visited each other, vacationed with each other, and even bought property together. However, six years into their relationship in 1896, Evangeline suddenly married Bishop Henry Whipple. Hey. Henry. Rose was devastated and begged her to reconsider, writing, 
I do not think you need me now, but I plead that you will consider what I said this morning. I will give up all to you if you will try once more to be satisfied with me. That is really sad. That is so sad. You know, I love seeing stuff like this, because what is this, like the late 1800s? Like, heartbreak is timeless. Like, yeah. humans are have just never, like, humans are so always the same in some ways. I think it's such a romantic, wonderful thing to think about. Like, her saying this is someone these days saying, please, like, give me another chance. Yeah. It's just, it's timeless. I think that's, there's something so nice about knowing that humans back then were just, like, dealing with the exact same heartbreak that we are now. Yeah, it just, it makes them very real. Yeah, right, because, oh my god, especially with past presidents, like, you learn about them in history class, they don't feel like real people to you. Yeah, very true, but this is, you, you're, you're right, you'd see this in, like, modern TV shows. And oh my god. And it's just so, it's also just, like, a reality check of the time. I know, like, sometimes we'll read, like, these nice love letters and we'll fill in the blanks, mm -hmm. like, oh, it must have been tough for them back then, but this is just a taste of the ugly side of things. Yeah, and like considering, because they were together for six years, well, together, like, you know, and just thinking about the letter we just read about, you know, how just so infatuated in yeah. love with her she was, I can't imagine suddenly, because it was very sudden, right. hearing the news that the woman you love married someone. Uh -huh. Like, that is... And it's not just that they're like, you know, with somebody else, but like, they're your companion. Like, the codependence that they would have probably developed at that time is just insane. Yeah, and it's like, some of the women we talk about also like, they exchange letters or something, but these two, like, often were, were together physically as right. well. So yeah. it wasn't just like a, you know, it is really sad. It's also so sad because it sort of seems like she's blaming herself in her wording, like she isn't uh, good enough. Yeah. But that's it's not it. Like, like be she, satisfied with me, she's definitely putting herself below. Yeah, but it's not that she isn't enough, it's just very sad, but very touching. So at the point of her sending this letter, it was too late. After the marriage, the letters between the two women lost their intimacy. Mm. The pet names disappeared, the letters became much more formal, and the passion dissipated. Though the reasons for this marriage are unknown, there are indications in diary entries that Evangeline did harbor real feelings for Bishop Whipple. Yeah, which is, this surprised me. So they were saying that she was like writing about him affectionately in her diaries and that he was a lot older than her, but she had a lot of money from a previous marriage. She was a widow, and so she had no social reason to marry him, I guess. Right. So like they were saying that there's very possible that she actually did like fall in love with him which is like even sadder yeah. than oh, yeah, for our that's girl even worse. yeah so the bishop died in 1901 and the intimate letters quickly started up again yeah uh, the she two wasted no time <laughs> seriously uh, the two started using pet names again they started visiting each other and they continued this relationship for nine years at which point rose wrote i need you and life is not long enough to always wait Ugh. She, wow. That is so, I love that. Once again, timeless. Truly. Like, really, she feels like such a real person through these letters. It's just, it's interesting, like, you would always feel, I don't know if used is the word, but knowing, like, how heartbroken Rose must have been when Evangeline left. Like, yay, you're back now, but, you know, just once your your husband is dead. Yeah, like, like that's like, definitely not the best look for Rose. Yeah. So the next year after that letter, they finally started living together in Italy. Mm -hmm. They were together until Rose's death in 1918, and Evangeline died 12 years later. They are buried side by side. So they did get their happy ending. Yeah, I'm glad that they were buried side yeah, by side. Yeah, I guess it's like the, the mystery is never never knowing what the circumstances surrounding her marriage to, to the bishop yeah. were. Like, 
Because it is it is weird that right after he died, she, she was like, came back. hey girl, hey yeah. baby, like, I'm back. So I don't know if maybe she was just like very fickle as a person, or if she just had feelings for her and it was like a societal pressure thing. I, yeah. I guess we'll never know. Rose definitely had feelings for her the whole time. I think this type of relationship is what I associate with like someone's great love. Mm-hmm. The overarching, like long-lasting story. It didn't end right. even like when when eventually married off. And they ended up together. They got buried next to each other. Full circle moment. Have you read The Six Husbands of Evelyn? Hugo. This uh, story very much <laughs> echoes that book. Like, I feel like. I'm like a third of the way into it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my god, we have to talk about it. Oh, it's like okay. literally one of my faves. It's really good. I'm. Oh, it's getting juicy. Wait, what's Don't happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about this after wait, the podcast we'll is over. But I would recommend reading. It's fantastic. But still, they got their happy ending. And yeah. I'm very happy for them. Indeed. So, I think it's safe to say that there has probably been a lot of queer activity in the White House that we will just never, ever know about. I'm sure so much stuff has gone on. And not just between presidents and vice presidents, you know, like anyone in American government, so many people probably had to hide. And I bet there's been some gay stuff happening in the Oval Office. No doubt. (laughs) I believe it. So, um, yeah, from what we've heard today, presidents, vice presidents, and first ladies can be pretty gay. Today, there are several openly queer members of Congress. In 2011, Roberta Actenberg became the first openly queer person whose federal appointment was confirmed by the Senate. Just over a year ago, Pete Buttigieg became the first openly gay person to be confirmed to the U.S. cabinet. As happy as we are about these developments, this progress means nothing if it's not directly helping queer people in the U.S. As we mentioned earlier, America certainly has more bigoted people in power than it does queer people, and we are seeing the effects of that in real time today. Trans people are under attack in the U.S. right now. Several states have introduced and passed legislation discriminating against trans athletes, punishing parents of trans children, and even banning gender-affirming medical care. There is nothing behind these efforts but bigotry, ignorance, and the people taking advantage of their power to spread hatred. It's, it is horrific what is happening right now. It's, I... Just learning that... Parents are being considered quote unquote abusive yeah. for aiding their kids in transitioning safely is it's yeah, it's scary. Terrifying. It generally is I well, I can believe, but it's it's horrible. It really is. So it's so important to remember that we have a long way to go in terms of queer representation in government and that we can't be satisfied with tokenized representation that doesn't make real change or help real people. Strong queer voices in government are necessary now more than ever to protect queer kids and work against this blatant discrimination. The fight continues. Yeah, I mean, not to disparage any sort of queer representation in government is fantastic, but I don't think we should be satisfied by being like, okay, great, Pete Buttigieg is the first gay person in the cabinet. Yeah, like fantastic. Check off that box. Yeah, it's that's just tokenizing it, and you have to be making real ground-level change. There's no point in having gay people in power if these laws against trans people are still are still going through easily. Yeah. You know, and especially not even, we're talking about the White House, but not even in federal government. It's probably even more important in local government, in Completely. state governments, where these laws are being passed. Yeah, where these like individual states have complete control over their own bigoted laws. Yeah, it's, somehow. Yeah, the fight the fight really does continue. We've included a few links to some trans charities you can donate to in our episode description and on our Instagram page. So check those out if you want to do more. All right, so I'm taking the reins of trivia this okay. week. Format's a bit different. It's not so much your historical knowledge that will be tested <laughs> in this segment. Okay. So we're going to play a little something I like to call What Queer Film Is This Audio Clip For? Oh, no! <laughs> Below her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
Um, okay. Yeah. So it's really, I, you're either going to get like all of them right or you're going to really struggle. It's hard for I'm me to not, tell. I'm not like super well-versed. Okay. So I would say in queer film. I'm going to play some clips for you that are either from soundtracks or from just like the films themselves. Okay. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay. 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 Let's see how you do. Okay. Here's your first uh, sound. Wait, is that it? That's it. That's it? That's all you get. Can you play it again? Of course. Come on, you can get this. What? Think about it. What's the vibe that you're getting from the like, song? Scary. Is it Jennifer's body? No. Oh, one more, one more. One more. Okay. Oh, it's Debs. It's Debs. It's Debs. <laughs> I knew you'd get it. Oh my god, yes. Uh, we... Love Debs. Love Debs. Debs is, is so like good. so good. If you're looking for like a fun oh. queer rom com, um, it's like lesbian Charlie's Angels. It's it's a satire. It's it's hilarious. Oh, it's yeah, so it's good. so good. I'm very proud of myself. Yeah, good job. Right. <laughs> Call me by your name. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I wanted to include an easy one. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Lady on Fire, obviously, like my favorite queer movie ever. I, I knew you were gonna include that when you said clips from queer movies. I was like, it's gonna be that, like, yeah. Song. I hope you get some of these wrong. Okay, I'm sure I will. I just want to say that Mary and I are Ammonite haters. haters. I'm I, sorry. I love Saoirse Ronan. I think she's... And Kate Winslet. And Kate Winslet. so talented. We love them. I was so excited to hear about this movie. That movie is like 90% ocean sounds. It, it's... I hate it. It's oh, not good. I hated that movie. It's, it's just, just not good. It's really trying to be Portrait of a Lady on Fire yeah. and it's not succeeding. Maybe my standards are too high after seeing Portrait of a Lady on Maybe, Fire, but it's just... I'm sorry. They have like no chemistry. Like No, it, just, it was just no chemistry. Like I was very... And, like I just yeah. needed them to like take a bath the whole time. <laughs> it's so funny you got that immediately from the waves. <laughs> but I couldn't even say because I was laughing so hard. <sighs> okay, next one. Okay. Okay, so I don't know if you've seen this, but you should be able to guess based on the style. Um, is it? Can I ask if it's a period piece? Not well. No, it's not a period piece. It's recent. I'll try. It. I'll play it again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the main theme of Brokeback Mountain. Oh, <laughs> duh. Sorry, I keep thinking of lesbian films. I forgot that, like, other gay people exist. Right? Oh, my God. I so should have known that one. Yeah. Embarrassing. Uh, I've never actually seen Brokeback Mountain. Oh, really? I've never seen Jake Gyllenhaal oh, and man. Heath Ledger. I think I those cried. are the two guys. Yeah. I've never Both seen them Mac it out. Yeah, I've heard it's, it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, like, I know people make fun of it, but it's actually a good movie. Classic. It's a classic queer movie. Oh, okay. okay. Damn, I'm mad at myself for that one. Vita and Virginia? No. You've seen it. Seen it. A moment at a wedding is significant. Oh, is it um Imagine Me and You? It is Imagine oh. Me and You. It's the moment that they like have they that love meet at first eyes. Cycle right. Okay, <laughs> next one. But I'm a cheerleader! Yeah. Uh, Another wait. classic. Yeah, Mary uh, introduced me to that movie, so thank you, Mary. Big fan of But I'm a Cheerleader. Yeah, that was. I really like that. I love Natasha Leon. I'm having some trouble with these. Yeah. This is a really fun game. Oh, Carol! <laughs> Carol, Carol, 
uh, I made that one really short because I knew you'd get yeah, it. Yeah, because I listened to that soundtrack. Oh, like, oh my gosh, maybe like the best one of my favorite movie soundtracks ever. It's Carol, so good. So good. we we constantly talk about Carol on this podcast. <laughs> we really do. And you like need to watch it Please. if you're listening and watch you Carol. I mean, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched Carol, I'd be very surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Our demographic. It's true. Our demographic for Ghost in the Closet is, is Carol watchers. Who have watched Carol? <laughs> okay. I don't know. I think I have, like, two left. Okay, okay. Do you still any fancy women? Is that Vita in Virginia? No. What is she saying? She you... said, I'll play it again. Do you still any fancy women? Oh, do you still only fancy women? I know what this is from. You can you can do it. Is it Tell to the Bees? No, You've no, wait. I know this one. Do you still... I, like, this line... I've, like, watched this scene so many times. <laughs> it's a good scene. Rachel Weisz and Rachel McAdams. It's... Yeah. Oh, my God. A tongue hit. No! <laughs> what? No. Wait, what's it called? It's such an A. No, D. It's such a D. Yeah. Disobedience. Yes. Woo! I was like, that sounds so familiar. It's because I've seen that scene. <laughs> okay, good job. Okay. okay. Now, here's the last one. It's difficult. I don't know if you're going to get it. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if you know what it's going to be. <laughs> I knew. I knew you were going to add this. It is the Carmilla movie filmed in Toronto. Yeah. Filmed to places we've been. Our favorite movie. Our favorite movie um, of all time, the Carmilla the movie. Car- so I think I did okay, but you definitely got me with some of those. Okay. My knowledge of lesbian films is certainly Superior. better than my knowledge of gay films. Yeah, me as well. I was like, oh crap, they're like gay men. Too. <laughs> I have seen Call Me by Your Name though. Um, they are gay men. <laughs> yeah, like I forgot. That was a fantastic game. I want to like do it to you. Okay. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, thank you for a lovely round of trivia. Yeah, that was fun. And that's it for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed learning about some of the queerness in the White House. Feel free to message us if there are any stories or topics you think we should cover next, or if you're a queer student who wants to feature their work on one of our episodes. And of course, follow us at Ghosts in the Closet Podcast on Instagram. Just a reminder to check out that page for some trans resources as well. As always, I'm Mary. And I'm Miley. And we'll see you next time to uncover more Ghosts in the Closet. Woo! Yeah!